0: Thank you for visiting Crossland Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. Well, I will tell you more about this as we get into the message this morning, but while you guys have enjoyed Terre Haute weather this week, I've labored and suffered through I want you to know there's joy in serving Jesus in hard places, and I've been on a lake all week with my dad in Florida, just about an hour south of Orlando. my mom and dad winter down there and um for Christmas this year and if you If you get our our email update each week, you know this already, so if you don't get our email update, you can begin to get that by going to the website, clicking the little link, signing up, and we Every Tuesday, uh, we send out an email update. I do it, and when I'm not here, as in this past week, Tracy does and rats me out and tells everybody I'm in Florida. So <laughs> I was seeing Mom and Dad. My, my wife, for uh, Myra, for Christmas, gave me a, uh, a a trip to Florida, a plane ticket down and back. I'd never seen where they live in Florida, so I got a chance to go down, and I had a great time, but a week is plenty to spend with my dad, so I'm back, and... Thrilled, and I I have had a good time. It's been a very pleasant experience, and I've I've really, I have thought of you guys. I mean, it was interesting to me because Dad doesn't get self service at his house. When they were taking me to the house, I asked Mom and Dad. I mean, we were way out. We're just we kept taking turns, and we kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into the orange groves and the trees. and And I said, Are we dropping bread crumbs so that I can get out of here? Because it just seemed like we were going, we, and we ended up, he, they live in the boonies. So dad, the only place you gets cell service, ironically enough, is out on the lake. So he's always on the phone calling my sisters and my brother who live in northern Kentucky, and it was really bad there. They got the ice and the power outages and all that stuff. So, you know, I commented to dad. I said, dad, you, you pay an awful lot of attention to the weather up home. I said, I'm a little surprised. And he said, well, I, yeah, he said, I pay probably more attention to your all's weather than I do mine but uh, you know when it's 72 and sunny every day that's you, of course you, it gets kind of boring so um it's been a good week but it's you know I can also honestly tell you I'm glad to be home and glad to be here this morning I have looked forward to today very much haven't had a chance to preach for two weeks so you are in for it today um if you have a oh, one thing I got to say before I get started we we're signing people up for this Dave Ramsey financial uh, peace deal that we're doing and um we, we really, really want you to be involved in that. If, if, you, if you aren't familiar with Dave Ramsey, he is a great teacher on, on finances. It'll be from a Christian perspective. Dave is a Christian. We've heard him speak many times at Catalyst. and um, Just he, you hear him on the radio. He is a good guy. But one of the things that is striking us is that there is a fee associated with signing up for this class. And it strikes us that it's possible that somebody who really, really needs the teaching that would be offered... Simply can't afford it And if that describes you I mean if you can afford it and you still want to come That's great we'd really appreciate it You'd help the church if you could pay for it But if you absolutely want to go And you absolutely cannot afford it You need to let us know So that we can help you Because it is in the church's best interest It is in the kingdom's best interest It is in your best interest If we all get our finances straightened out And we handle God's money the right way Um, that's not a big pitch on giving or anything like that it's just saying that God expects us to be on top of our finances and many 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 of us are not and we need the help that someone like Dave Ramsey could give us and if the only reason you wouldn't go to that is because you think you can't afford the hundred dollars it takes to sign up please don't let that be the reason you don't go please let somebody help you let the church know and we'll we'll figure that part out but If you need that help, let us get you the help, and and I strongly encourage you to think about it. Uh, I want to talk today, this is a tweener uh, sermon. I'll just tell you, tweener sermons are hard for me. This is when we're in between series. We're going to launch a series next week called Heartbeat, and it's going to go for several weeks. We're going to talk about a lot of different aspects of our church here. We're moving to a time, I'll just give you a heads up, we're moving to a time where we're going to start talking about some pretty big-time stuff coming our way and it's going to involve money and it's going to involve vision it's going to involve you know leaps and of faith and um we're we're moving into that time and we'll be talking about that in the weeks to come but today i have just one little sermon i want to deliver i'm calling it human being and you'll figure that out as we go along i want to start by by making this statement god wants to set you free God wants to set you free. You hear Kyle up here from time to time, especially when it comes to, to communion time, and he makes comments about you know Christ setting us free or the freedom we have in Jesus. And I think for those of us who've been in the church for a long time, we might be able to understand what that is because we've heard it explained different ways. But if you're new to church or if you haven't been around all that long and you hear somebody say, well, you know, Jesus wants to set you free, most people who haven't spent a lot of time in church, what they think when they, when they think about Jesus is, Jesus wants to bind me up jesus wants to put a bunch of rules and regulations on me and jesus wants to make my life miserable when in fact that's the furthest thing from the truth christ wants to set you free back in the late 80s early 90s we had this thing as a country where we sent troops to kuwait in something called operation desert shield and operation desert storm and i don't want to get into the whole politics behind it and why you think we were there and why we weren't we we I do believe that on some level, we were there with a a true motive to liberate a people who were about to be oppressed and who were about to be overrun. I, I do believe that. And so we as a country went to the aid of the Kuwaiti people when Iraq came in. The interesting thing was that many of the people in Kuwait did not believe that that was our motive, and many of those people resented us being there at the beginning. As we did our job, and as we functioned well, we were able to keep that country out of the hands of, of another country, and many of those Kuwaiti people who at the beginning were very skeptical of our reasons and motives for being there came around to the point where they embraced us as a country and said, we're glad that you came. I mean, I can remember you know, some of them waving flags, not burning our flags, but actually waving our flag and, and actually being happy that we were there. Um, God wants to set you free this morning, and, and I think it's, it's, it's possible that somebody in the room this morning could look at God and look at what Christ has done for us and have that same attitude that the Kuwaitis had at the beginning, which was, No, you're not here for the right motive. And, and all you want to do is take me over. And all you want to do is bind me up. And I think there are some people who don't want to come to church. They don't want anything to do with Jesus because they're afraid that their life is going to so radically change and it's not going to be a good change. And they think, Well, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to have to be like that. And somewhere, somehow, they got this idea that they got to look a certain way and be a certain way or God doesn't love them and God doesn't want anything to do with them. When the fact of the matter is that is just not true at all. Now, there may be some things that as you get close to Christ, he's going to start to speak into your life and say, you know what? That needs to be adjusted. That needs to be changed. That needs to, we need to work on that particular area. And he'll make those things available to you. And here's the really cool thing. He doesn't expect all that to happen overnight. Half the habits, all the habits you got into in your life, good and bad, you didn't just overnight make them happen. They've developed over time. Sometimes it takes a while. And a relationship with Christ will enable you, as you spend time with him, he will have an impact On areas of your life that aren't healthy That aren't good that you know aren't healthy and aren't good and he'll be gentle and he'll take his time and he'll change you But he doesn't want to bind you up. He wants to set you free The fundamental goal of god in your life wherever you are in your relationship with him Whether you've been a christian forever and a day or whether you just are brand new to this thing What god wants to do in your life is he wants to set you free In matthew chapter 11 and you don't need to turn there. We're going to put this on the on the wall for you Matthew chapter 11 says this and I venture to say most people could know how most of this verse goes come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will put you to work that's the new American working translation of that particular passage you know what that's the way most Americans translate that passage we don't do the rest thing very well we, we 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 are all about work and we're all about, you know, getting our hands dirty and moving and being busy. And, and you know as well as I do the, the way that verse should be read is come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, fill in the blank, rest. I will give you rest. That's an interesting thing that's going on. Matthew is written in Aramaic. And and this particular word in Aramaic is delivered not in a way that you might think we read that word and i think most of us think that that means a cessation of labor that, that if, if i'm gonna have rest it means that i'm gonna stop working that's not what this word means the way this word is translated literally means a permanent holiday Isn't that cool a permanent holiday come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you a permanent holiday that sounds good to me Now that's a loaded thing, that phrase holiday, because many of you, I know the way some of you vacation, and the way you vacation is you go to another state, and then you go the whole time you're on vacation, right? It's every day is packed full of stuff, you're climbing things, you're, you're working at things, you're doing stuff, you're playing things, you're sweating like crazy. I mean, it doesn't, to me, it, my idea of a great vacation is I want to go to the beach, I want to get under an umbrella or something with shade and I want to get my watch out and time the waves and make sure they hit the beach when they're supposed to. Yep, that one made it. Good job. Oh, That's another, me made it. That's all I want to do. But some of you want to get busy and you want to go do things. And so when you hear this permanent vacation, you think, well, I'm, you know, that's, that, to me, that's work. The difference is when you take your vacation and you do that stuff, you're having fun, aren't you? It's enjoyable to you. It's fulfilling. It's, it's what you want to do. Some of you take vacation time from work, stay at home, and work in your yard and love every minute of it. And you work harder in your yard than you ever do at work. You're breaking a sweat and you're moving muscles that you, you have. And you say things like, I need to go back to work to get a vacation from my vacation. But you've enjoyed your vacation because you did what you wanted to do and the work was fulfilling and the work was fun and it was it was what you wanted it to be jesus says you come to me and it's going to feel like a holiday even though you're doing more inside you're going to have rest it's going to feel good to you there are two foundations to christian faith there are two different foundations upon which your faith will be built and we're gonna, that's really what this talk today is, is all about, are these two foundations and which one you're building on. First one I want to focus on is this idea of communion. We're going to define communion today as the desire to move closer to God. That's communion as I'm going to use it today. The, the desire to move close to God. We usually don't we we usually do start here when we're new christians new believers We start here because really this is all we've got and this is all we know Someone tells us about jesus we we respond to that we want to get close to god So we think okay, how do I get closer to god? So that's really where we start because to be real honest. We don't know a whole lot else There's not a whole lot else for us to do. It's kind of confusing for us but the one we shift to and the one that we, we, we gradually, and this is a very subtle thing that we move to, we begin to move away from communion and we shift to this idea of competence, the idea that I want to get busy for God. And what starts out as this, as this great thing, I want to be close, I want to be in communion, I want to have a relationship with God. You look up one day and you're busy, 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 and you're completely unfulfilled and it just doesn't feel right and so we start getting close to god at the beginning we we come into this thing with communion and we think okay this is where i want to be because really that's all we know but then eventually we start as we spend time around god we start to see hey there are opportunities for me to serve there are things that i can do with my hands i can work and i can be involved and i can give myself in ministry and building the kingdom of god and we think man that's great and we do that and it's cool at the beginning because it's driven out of our communion it's driven out of this desire to be close to god but something happens along the way and we look up one day and it's not fun anymore and we look up one day and we're resentful we look up one day and all the joy has drained out of our service to god and we're st- we're left standing there wondering why it's a slow it's a it's a subtle shift from communion to competence and when that happens eventually god will withdraw the fulfillment of your competence to nudge you back to communion so if you're here this morning and you're thinking man something has gone haywire in my faith i I just have no joy i have no fulfillment i don't feel like it matters i don't feel like it's going the right way what god is trying to say to you he's trying to get your attention to say come back to me come back to me because you you started with me and somewhere along the way you got to a place where this got all about the service and it got all about the work and you forgot about me you know he would say you're good at the competent stuff you're good at praying you're good at giving you're good at at working and tithing and serving and and, you know you're going to church and all that kind of stuff but many times sometimes all the time where things began with just the greatest of expectation and the greatest of motive they get twisted around and, and we all the fulfillment goes out of it and we're left standing there wondering why I've seen it happen many times in my own life I've seen it happen in the lives of Christian people who just, they're so thrilled at the beginning and then one day you, you look at them and it's like man, what's going on? and I don't know how many times I've felt this and how many times I've talked to somebody who said man, I, something is missing something's not right And generally when we start talking that way it's because we've left communion We've left this idea of wanting to get closer to god and all the stuff we're doing we're doing for all the wrong reasons So be careful what you do because as the novelty wears off what you do for god Will begin to leave you feeling empty if you don't do it the right way. That's what we're going to talk about today There is a a great illustration of what i'm talking about in luke chapter 10 If you have your bible take your bible out turn to luke chapter 10 if you're new to us Uh, We use our Bible here almost every week. I encourage you to bring it to church. Bring a pen because i like for you to write in it and circle words, and it's okay. I got permission from God to tell you you could do that. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 is a very familiar story and uh, it's one that, that really I think is going to speak to us this morning in, in, in particular this, this area of these two foundations because what we see in this story are these two foundations illustrated for us in two women two women that you know very well if you've been around scripture very much at all you've heard this story Luke 10 verse 38 I think I, all the pages have stopped turning so we're ready to go as Jesus and his disciples were on their way he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him she had a, visitor, a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Listen to the exasperation in her voice. Notice the scripture earlier has, has labeled her distracted. Okay? She's not painted in the best light prior to this verse. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work? By myself, tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. These are the two foundations that we talked about earlier. Mary and Martha, both are followers of Jesus. Both are sincere in their faith. Both want to please God with the way they live and the things that they do. But the difference is that one is driven by a desire to be closer to Jesus and one is driven by a desire to be busy for God. Now, why was Martha driven to get busy for Christ? We need to understand a couple of things. The book of Matthew is written in or I'm sorry, the book of Luke is written in chronological order of the life of Christ. And so you can read it as it unfolds. You can just see how things went in the life of Jesus. And so earlier in this story that, that Luke tells us, we find out that they have been in synagogue, and somebody has raised their hand in synagogue and asked Jesus the question Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells a story to illustrate who your neighbor would be, so that so that you can see how your faith could be lived out practically. He tells the story of the the Good Samaritan. Well, it's quite possible, in fact it's likely, that Martha has heard Jesus do this teaching and has heard him talk about being a good neighbor and what that involves and service and giving and taking care and using your hands and being busy. And she's thought to herself, I want to be a good neighbor. I want to be the kind of person that Jesus is talking about. See, I think that, that her motivation is she, she wants, she, she, she loves God. I'm not saying for a second she doesn't love God. And it's highly possible you're going to hear me talk today and think, well, he's, he's really kind of down on the whole service aspect and, and us getting involved. Not true at all. And if you stick around for a couple of weeks, you're going to find out. I want you involved. I want you doing competence things. I want you working. But I want you working for the right reason with the right motivation so she's thinking to herself i want to be the best neighbor i can be and she gets home now she's got jesus there and we don't know how many people she was fixing dinner for some scholars have said it could be as high as 70 jesus had accumulated a lot of disciples a lot of people were following him around now i know for a fact some of you have huge thanksgiving dinners i don't know if you get to 70 i i have It's trouble for me to fix dinner for one so to think about 70 I can't fathom that but however many the number was she's busy she's got you know she's thinking about a lot of people she's wanting to probably you know I mean you can't fault her for wanting to fix something nice for Jesus I mean this was Jesus and she's up and she's working she's fixing things she's working on dinner she's setting the table she's running back and forth and every now and then she's peeking in to see if Jesus is noticing her is he paying attention Does he see? And what about Mary? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, doesn't she hear these dishes rattling in here, the pots and pans? Can't she tell that I'm working hard? How dare her sit at the feet of Jesus? And probably with every pass back and forth from the kitchen to the dining room, and I don't know how the house was set up, but you're just using your imagination, she's getting ticked off. She's angry. And she's beginning to resent what's going on. I've seen this in churches too, by the way. I, um, I've um, i been around more than one just, uh, you know, the deal where the, the, the church is going to do a project by themselves and the men in the church are going to do the project. You ever been involved in one of those or watched one? It's fascinating to watch what happens because here's what happens. Some of the men in the church have a lot of time, a lot of tools, and a lot of know-how, and they show up every day, and man, they work, and they're doing all this stuff, and you know we get into these contests with how good we can use a ruler and mark things and, and saw the thing and you know, and, yeah, I think we ought to brace it that way. No, I think we ought, you know it's just like this contest it's kind of fascinating. then you have some guys that have a little bit of time and not a whole lot of expertise, and they do what they can, they show up, and then you have some other guys that don't have very much time, but they're coming, and they may not even you know kind of like me, I mean, you don't really don't want me on a building project, but but I mean, I would try to help, hey, can I hold that for you? you know can I get the Can I get the extension cord? You have all these different types. And I've seen this happen before where the ones who are there a lot start to get to the place where they feel superior to the ones who aren't there all the time and start thinking that they're a little more spiritual and that God must love them a little more because they're there and they're dedicated and they're working hard and these other people, they don't care. They're not showing up. And who knows why those people aren't coming and aren't showing up. But what's happened, here's what I want you to see. In their service, in their desire to do a good thing for God, and it is a good thing for God, they have left communion. They've left the desire to be closer to God because if they were closer to God they would not talk about their Christian brother the way they're talking about him. And they leave communion and they move to competence. And it becomes about what's going on on the outside and it becomes about who sees me. And it becomes about you know what, comparing myself to them or them or or you know what's their questioning somebody else's motivation. And so, you know, this happens in churches all the time. And so not only is Jesus Not noticing Martha, which has probably got her a little wrangled. If you knew what I just left out, you'd be so happy. She's mad about that, but she's also ticked off because Mary's not helping. And she's noticing, and Jesus is really, you know, Jesus to Martha quite possibly looks insensitive. It's possible that that Martha is thinking to to herself, I can't believe that, that he's letting this go on. I can't believe he's not getting honored. See, I've heard this before. I, it's interesting, when, you, when you've been in ministry for a while, you, you get used to the idea that there are just certain, you know, that, that there are going to be times you're going to do stuff by yourself, and there are going to be times that you do things and, and no one understands or no one uh, supports it or no one comes along to help. I mean, there have been plenty of times we were going to do something and I've ended up doing it. I mean, that's just part of ministry, And it's interesting that whenever you have someone who's new to ministry, they come to church, they come to Christ, it's great, they want to get involved, and they take on a ministry. And they have these great expectations for ministry, and then the expectations are not fulfilled. And they come to me and they say things like this, Brett, I just feel like I'm doing it all by myself, and I feel like nobody else cares, and I feel like there's no support. And what I say is, welcome to ministry. That's what ministry feels like. And and yet, if you work out of your own human condition and if you work based just solely on i'm going to do this thing and i'm you know what happens is you start to notice who's helping who's not helping why they're helping and you start to do a comparison thing well i'm really spiritual because i'm involved in this thing and these people aren't helping near as much and we start to compare it just all goes downhill from there martha comes in and says lord don't you care i'm in here knocking myself out, edit on the fly. Knocking myself out to do a a good thing for you. And here sits Mary. And she's not lifted a finger to help me. Now, I'm just guessing, but I'm going to assume that what Jesus says next is not what Martha expected Jesus to say next. Ask yourself this question. If Martha comes back, busting through the door out of the kitchen and she's kind of getting on jesus a little bit wanting her to get all over mary get her up here to help me what do just ask yourself the question what do you think martha expected jesus to say what do you think Do, do you think for just a minute that martha expected an apology from jesus i'm sorry martha Okay, i mean please forgive me can you even imagine jesus asking us for forgiveness i'm sorry martha please forgive me how insensitive of me you're in there working hard well, absolutely mary get up and go help her i'm gonna come in here i'll give me an apron I'll, I'll help but what do you need me to do that's probably what martha had in mind that's probably where Martha's going with this whole thing hey let's see some action Let, let's not put all this on me What Martha wanted was justice. What Martha wanted was for it to be made right. Jesus doesn't respond that way. In fact, I think he gives Martha the very last thing she expected to hear. I mean, it, just, it, you know, it takes a turn. Martha was not serving. Here's what you need to understand. Martha was not serving out of love and communion maybe you could say love you probably could say love but you couldn't say communion she wasn't serving out of a desire to get closer to god she was serving out of hey look at you know look what i'm doing i'm going to do this thing for you jesus there's a big big difference between serving and performing performance is done out of human obligation service is done with a, a heart of gratitude um Performance is all about who's watching. Performance is done from human strength. Performance leads you to a place of resentment. But when you serve from a heart that is driven by communion, what you find somebody saying is, Lord, this is the least I can do. I mean, after everything you've done for me, this this act of service that I want to do, it's the least I could do for you. Instead, Jesus says... He looks at Martha and he says, you are worried and upset. To which Martha, you know, you think? (laughs) You know, I can't slip anything past you because you're pretty sharp. Yeah, I'm worried and upset. And in her performance for Jesus, she has become distracted. And, And this describes many, many Christians who started out with the purest of motive. And somewhere along the line, it morphed into something that Jesus never meant for it to be. Jesus says, Martha, look at your sister. He says, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. Just stop for a minute. Put yourself in Martha's shoes. Think about going to confront Jesus and you expect Jesus to snap out of it and go, oh, you're exactly right. And instead, he looks at Mary, the person you resent right now, and he says, what she's chosen to do is better than what you've been doing. What Jesus is saying is huge here. What Jesus is saying is, when you get communion right, competence will take care of itself. You get communion right. You get close to me, competence is going to take care of itself. The service you do will be driven by the right thing, but the right thing starts with communion. And Mary has chosen communion, and Mary has chosen the better thing. You see, Martha had shifted. She started with communion, but somewhere it got to this fuzzy foggy place that we get to and you don't really know when it happens I'm going to give you some things to gauge when you know it's happened a little later in the message but but it happens and you you move into this place where you're doing all this stuff and you're doing it for the wrong reason and what started out this great pure motive turns into something other than that that's where Martha found herself I, I fight this sometimes i think most of us fight this i think there is a gradual pull a subtle shift to pull us away from communion to for, for, from you know i want to be closer to god i want to i want to be in relationship i want to i want to know his heart and i want to know how you know i want to i want to be driven by the right things and we we start to do things and then one day it's all lost its meaning and it's all lost its significance to us and fulfillment and we're not we we, we it's just drained away Have you ever read this story? And I've got to confess that many times I've read this story and thought to myself, you know what, I kind of side with Martha. You ever found yourself siding with Martha? You ever, you, ever, have you ever read this story and thought, you know, I don't want anybody to know this, but this story really does not make sense to me because I've got to be honest, I think Martha's right, and it looks like Jesus makes the wrong choice here. Now, we know we're not supposed to say that in church because that's like really bad but we think it don't we we think to ourselves well why didn't jesus get on martha and and you know martha was kind of being a slacker and just sitting there watching jesus here's what you have to remember prior to this jesus has fed 5000 people jesus has already proven that if if we need a meal i can make a meal Jesus is all about the meal and if Jesus had thought that they needed to eat eating is what they would have been doing Martha has decided that everybody needs to eat Jesus obviously doesn't think everybody needs to be eaten otherwise Jesus would have provided something or said hey let's get some food going here and so he's in there teaching and talking and doing all this stuff and Mary is at his feet and she's soaking it in and she's, just, she's right where she should have been she's right where she she, she was doing what she was supposed to be doing See, God does not need our help. What God needs and desires, and wants from us is a relationship. He wants us engaged, He wants us with this desire to get close to Him. He spoke the universe into being. I'm pretty sure He can handle lunch. You see, Jesus is not impressed with performance and you can read scripture and you will find time and time again where jesus praises certain people for things but he generally does not praise their performance and if he ever does praise someone's performance it's driven that performance has been driven by a a a communion with him i mean i'm going to show you a place here in just a minute he is impressed with faith and relationship and that all is about communion and the reason is this it isn't that Jesus doesn't want you to try. That's not the point. It's not, that, it's not that Jesus doesn't want you to do work for him. It's not that I don't want you to do work for him. I, it, I do. I want you to be doing work for him. But Jesus would come along and he would say, look, I want it to be done for the right reason, and I want you to have the right motives, and I want to make sure that as you do the work, you're fully engaged with me, and you're in full relationship with me, because if you aren't, there are grave consequences for that. Because if you, if you try to do work, and it's, it's divorced from a relationship with Christ, a deep abiding relationship with Christ. Here's what's gonna happen as you do the work. You will begin to fret. Now I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna put this on the wall. Um, We don't have a slide for it, but I'm gonna give you an acrostic for fret, okay? Fret, frustration, resentment, emptiness, and tired. You will fret. You will work and you will fret. You'll feel frustrated. You'll begin to resent the stuff that you do for him. You will feel empty when you do it and you're gonna be tired. Because if you try to do it apart from the reason that you're supposed to be doing it, it's not going to end well for you. You see, our natural disposition as human beings is to move away from communion and to move toward competence. Some of you grew up in a home that if you didn't perform well, dad wasn't pleased with you some of you grew up in a home where if, if it wasn't straight A's, if you didn't make first string, if you didn't achieve better than everybody else, then you had stuff withheld from you, maybe attention, maybe love, maybe affection. Some of you have grown up in churches, have been in churches that w- was all about performance. I know, because I know where some of you have come from. and y- And you have... You have been exposed to a church that said, if you don't perform well, God doesn't love you and we don't love you. And we will discipline you and we will embarrass you. And, and we, will, we will draw attention to you in a way that you don't want attention. And so you constantly work and you, you constantly did stuff hoping that everybody thought that you were spiritual and put together and doing all the right stuff. And you know what? The whole time you were doing it, you were thinking, man, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. And why were you miserable? Because you weren't working from a response of being in communion with God anymore. It was all about keeping people off your back. It was all about making other people see what you were doing. And you, you're saying to yourself, man, I hope nobody really knows some of you came out of churches like that some of us along the way it came it got to be about do 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 and we no longer are human beings which is where the title comes from today we aren't human beings anymore we're human doing and god says "Hey, i just want you to be i just want you to be in relationship with me i want you to i want you to be in communion with me i want you to know me And then and only then are you set up to do the kind of things that I want you to do. But if you try to make it all about the doing and there's no communion, you're going to be empty. It's going to be bad. Now, here's the problem with competence. And and again, I'm not anti-competence, okay? I'm not, it's not like I don't want you to do anything. I want us all to be competent. My goal and the goal of the staff, the goal of our elders, is that every one of you in this room this morning would be able to, call Cross Lane home and be able to say, my ministry is and fill in the blank. I would like it that if every one of you had a ministry here and you felt like you owned it, you felt like it was yours, like you could say, you know, this is what I do and I I love doing it because I'm in communion with God and and it gives me joy. I, I want you to have that. I want that for everybody. But Jesus is saying, you get the communion thing down and I'll enable you to perform at a higher level. You see, I wanna, let me break this down for you a little bit. I'm going to give you some, some uh, communion, uh, competence, juxtapositions, okay? We're going we're to kind of play these two off one another. It won't take long. We'll be done. Remember, competence is the drive to get busy, and communion is the desire to get closer to God. The first thing that happens, competence thrives on rules and routines. If your life has shifted into competence away from communion, then your life is really about routines. It's about what's going on on the outside. You know, you, your system will be la- it'll, it'll be laser-focused on competence, and it's going to be uh, all about the routine. I, I told you <clears throat> that I, I just spent the, the week with my dad, and my dad lives down there. He winters down there and then comes back to Kentucky in the summer, so he's not there full-time. He has a brother who lives down there all the time, and he was telling me about his brother, and I got to see Uncle Jimmy while I was down there. And, and uh, one day we were out on the boat, and Dad just shook his head like it was the worst thing in the world. He said, he said You ought to see him and, and Penny. He said, they, they get up every morning, same time. They go, get on the lake, same time every morning. They stay out there till 3 o'clock, whether it's windy, whether they're catching anything or not catching anything. He just thought this was the most horrible thing that they were this routinized. Is that a word? I'm not sure where that's a word. I was once told that you know you're smart when you can say what words aren't words. I'm not real smart because I don't know whether that's a word or not, but I've just made it one. It's a cross-lane word, routinized. <laughs> routinized. So he's telling me about it. He said, Brett, he said they, they plan what they're going to eat three, four weeks out. He can tell you three weeks from now what he's having on Thursday. And he said they don't they don't just go into town, you know, to go to a store, to go get groceries or whatever. They plan that's like a three week we're planning. They'll say, "Hey, we're going into town next week." Which if you saw where they lived, you could understand that a little bit. I'm not kidding you. I really I thought please somebody leave me a trail to get out of here. It was in the middle of nowhere. But they are kind of out there, but but dad's like going on and on about how routine they are, how routinized they are. I have a, I have a, I brought a picture to show you. There's the fish slayers right there, brother. <laughs> Woo! I have to tell you, I wanted to keep the sun off my head. You should have seen. I took a shower when I got home that afternoon, and I wish you could have seen the sunburn I had. I was red from here down. This was white as it could be. We were going to go play bingo that night, which doesn't that just make your pulse quicken right there. Yeah. Bingo. Oh, yeah. I've never played bingo in the big setting like that. I learned all about, you know, Dad was right there telling me, you know, it was like a competition. I mean, it was serious, serious bingo. Anyway, as I spent time with my dad, I just watched him you know when we he lives not far he's got a boat slip he lives not far from it we get in the golf cart we drive to the the thing he'd wake me up everyone we'd drive go go get in the boat and i just watched him you all know, his whole world revolves around his clock and and what's on television he watches certain shows the man never misses price is right does that sound like just a glorious wonderful retirement life to you you know and, and he gives me these great um reasons why you you ought to watch this show so you know what stuff's worth (laughs) thank you dad thank you certain shows that you know we have to watch we couldn't miss and and when we would get to the boat slip how he would you know he would organize his boat and he did the same thing i was with him three days in a row when we were fishing he did things the exact same way every single time he he pretty much goes out at the same time He, he his world is so routinized and, and I'm thinking, I told him, I said, Dad, you're making fun of Uncle Jimmy. You're just as bad as he is. But you know in the church world when you're working for God, you know that you have shifted over the line from, comp, from communion to competence. When it starts to be about the routine and when it starts to be about working from the outside in, when it starts to be about comparison, when, it's, when everything is horizontal and it's not vertical, and you're way worried more about what everybody else thinks than what what God's thinking about it, when you get to that place, your competence has shifted over the line away from communion into competence. That's one way you know. Communion thrives on relationship. Competence depends wholly on routine. You want to know one of the reasons why I'm so convinced that this is true? The woman in the story martha gets mad at mary mary later is the woman if you remember who comes into the room quite possibly the same room that she's in in this story you remember the story she comes in we're told she comes in with an alabaster jar full of perfume you ever heard this story the bible tells us that that perfume and the alabaster jar is worth get this i want you to understand the worth one year's wage Think about taking your salary for one year and pouring it out on someone's feet. The Bible tells us that she came into the room and she broke the alabaster jar and the perfume spilled out all over the feet of Jesus and she began to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, I ask you this question. Is that an act of service? Yes, it is. Is that an act of service done with with the sole desire to be hey everybody look at me or do you think that there was something burning deep within Mary that said I want to pour everything I have out on this man you see what's going on she's she's been in communion this is her heart this is the way she lives this is what she's about so for her to come in with an alabaster jar of perfume worth a year's wages it's nothing for her because it's driven from a heart of communion See, service is different from performance in that performance is done out of human obligation. Service takes you to an extravagant level. Service takes you to a place that you might not even really think that you would have ever gotten to on your own. You would do things in service that the job description doesn't call for. You would do things in service that you thought, nobody told you to do that. Why why are you doing that? We didn't expect you to do that. I know. I just I just wanted to I just wanted to do that. Sir that's where service that's driven from communion will take you. She breaks this bottle open. You know how Jesus responds? He says, What she's done will be remembered forever. He looks at Martha, who's working and in the kitchen and knocking herself out. You know what he says? Martha, Martha, you're so upset. You're so you're so distracted. You're so worried. And to Mary, he says, "This will never be forgotten." What's the difference? I mean, when you say dinner is much more important than a bottle of perfume, I mean, practically speaking, isn't dinner more important? Here's what you got to understand: What's being done isn't always the most important thing to Jesus. Let me make the point this way: I, I get this every now and then. Um, I don't. i don't want to say this once in a while i'll be in a conversation with somebody and it gets intimated to me that i must be more spiritual or more important because i'm the preacher of the church than than someone who isn't the preacher of the church that's why i don't like for you guys to refer to me as pastor if we're not going to call you something cool we shouldn't call me something cool right don't, that's why I don't like being called reverend or I don't like don't don't I mean I know that you it's you think it's a sign of respect and I appreciate that pastor Brett we're gonna go talk to Pat I get that I do get that but the reason that I kind of buck against that is because I don't want to be more. I don't want to be viewed as any more important than you I happen to be the guy on Sunday who gets up here and talks that doesn't make me more important than than the person that's back there right now in art park Certainly doesn't make me any more important than the person that's back in my office Who's praying for the whole deal going on right now doesn't make me any more important than the people in the nursery Or ryan over in the youth room or or the people running the soundboard I am no more important than any of those people but somehow we get it in our head because he's the preacher He must be more important. God says, you know what? I don't care about that What I care about look if I get up here and preach and i'm not in communion god could care less could care less it's not about what you're doing so much it's about the heart that drives it and is it in communion with a father who loves us and with Mary her act of service is coming from a place of deep gratitude and with Martha the competence thing was all duty 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 and Jesus don't you care don't you care competence acts out of duty communion acts out of devotion competence has its motivation usually in guilt you do you do you, when you are doing something you think i'm going to feel guilty if i don't do this then you've crossed a line into competence away from communion because communion is going to make you do something because you're you're you've, you just are so full of gratitude you say to yourself man is this all i can do because i want to do more that's how you know. When you're, when you're serving and it's really, it's like, I'm so thankful that I get to do this. And I'm gonna get myself in trouble because they're in the room this morning and I haven't gotten permission to do this. But I'm gonna take a flyer and take a chance. When, Dave, I'm gonna talk about you. When, I, when Dave Reasonbeck was, we were looking at, when it was possible he was gonna be playing guitar, I remember him making this statement, I can't wait to be able to make music for God. And I thought, man, that is so cool. Because what wasn't coming out of his mouth is, man, I hope everybody can see what a good guitar player I am. I hope everybody can see that I'm really spiritual because I'm up here playing guitar for Jesus. That was not his motivation. His motivation was I get to participate in bringing praise and worship to Christ. All right? And it was said with such purity and such humility and I thought, man, that that's it. That's it. Do you, do you see the difference when you when you get the chance just because, God, what you've done for me, I just want to give back. I mean, you've enabled me to play. I want to I give it back. I want to glorify you with what I do. Instead of, man, I hope everybody hears this cool guitar riff I'm playing. And you know what? The human side of us, it's not hard at all, is it? It's not hard at all to shift from where Dave started to where we can all get to where we're saying, is is anybody watching? Where we're Martha. Does anybody see? Does anybody see that I'm working? Competence is about human obligation. It's the obligatory stuff. I got to do. I got to do communion is about divine grace it's about what god has done for us and the gift that we've been given god gives you grace daily to live at a higher level than you could ever possibly do on your own competence brings a comparison to others get this competence brings a comparison to others do you know what what communion does it makes us accepting of others what that does is it enables you then to celebrate the gifts and the good things that happen to somebody else when when you 're in communion and something good happens to somebody else you 're genuinely happy for them when you 're in competence mode and something good happens for somebody else and you 're jealous and you 're angry ding 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 you just crossed a line that 's how you know when you 've left the place you 're supposed to be when you 're jealous of everybody else and you 're not. Uh, 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 accepting of what other people are doing, you know you've got a problem. Number six, competence will lead you to tired performance to gain someone else's approval. Your spouse, your mom and dad, God, doesn't matter. It's a work, work, work treadmill, and you're on the treadmill, and you're just cranking it out. The result of communion is that you are empowered, uh, your service is a, is a response to god's love you do things because god loves you and you think man I, I just want to give to him. I want to do this for him It's interesting though, isn't it even though we want communion we shift to competence. What is it that makes us leave? What is it that why, why do we drift? and Why do we we fall you know we? We drift to a place and I don't know how many times as a pastor i've heard somebody say and I felt this myself Where you think man, it just seems like the life of my faith has been drained away and I go to church and I'm trying to get it back, it's when you start saying things like this, I went and I didn't get anything out of it. When you start making statements like that, you have drifted across a line and you've left communion and you've gotten into competence. I just didn't get anything out of it. Because when you're in communion, you will get something out of it. When you're in communion, God is constantly filling you. But when you've crossed over into competence, you just feel empty, you feel You feel. Resentful, you feel unfulfilled, you feel taken advantage of you can go to church, you can read your Bible, and you're going to feel like it's all empty like you're just going through the motions and you're asking yourself, is this all there is i have a <clears throat> I have a friend who i th- grew up in church best I can tell and he 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 grew up in a pretty fundamental church, you know bible believing you know in church you know the old timey kind of church and you would not really know that by this person's lifestyle by the things that they say by the way their life is structured and the way they live every day you just wouldn't if i if i showed you that person and you didn't know any better and i said do you think that person's a christian you would probably say no i don't think that person's a christian just to not judging anybody just it's what you would think i was talking to him one time about coming to church here and so I'm explaining our church and then it came time for me to explain the music here and I said you know we it's it's up tempo it's kind of rock and roll it's loud it's you know it's fun it's you'll be awake I can tell you that much and he said well I don't you know I don't I don't think God likes a church like that what I mean all this you live your life completely with disregard for God and until my church we're God didn't happy with us because of our music. Ticked me off. I'll be honest with you, it made me mad. But here's the point: when you move into competence, you you baseline to a, to finding loopholes. You find reasons why it's not going to work, and it's you know you find excuses, and it's like no, that's not going to. I can't do that because you baseline. You go to you go to the bottom level, and it's just what can I do to get by? Somewhere we leave communion and we fall into competence. And why do we do this? Here's why we do this. Don't miss this. This is the most important thing I'll say all morning. It is easier to follow rules than it is to follow Jesus. It is easy to follow rules. I'm telling you, the hardest thing I've ever tried to do in my life is to follow Jesus. Because he's perfect. He's perfect and he calls me to this life that I feel like I can't live and I would give anything to be able to be like Jesus and some days I'm just like god I can't do it I can't do it it you just feels so you feel just so frustrated because following Jesus I mean it is if you operate from the standpoint of competence and you're looking at yourself and you're going man I got to measure up I got to measure up then you're going to feel frustrated when you're in communion you know what god's telling you all the time See, when I get to the place where I feel like, God, how in the world do you do anything with me? I can't follow you. Those are the times that I am out of communion. I'm not following God. I'm not in close relationship because if I was in close relationship, do you know what Jesus would be saying to me? Hey, I believe in you. I died for you. Yeah, I know you're a sinner. Yeah, I know you're messed up. I don't care. Follow me. Get lockstep right behind me. Yeah, but Jesus, I can't keep in your, I know you're not me. I'm not expecting that. Just stay behind me. Just follow me. Keep your eye on me. When we fall out of communion, we get frustrated in our walk with Christ. And we don't think, we don't live like forgiven people, and we don't feel like forgiven people. We constantly beat ourselves up, and I don't measure up, and I'm not good enough, and there's no way God can love me. That's what happens when you leave communion and you move into competence. And if that's the attitude that you brought to church with you this morning, I'm ringing the bell for you. You have moved into competence, and God is calling you back to communion. And He says, Come to me. Put your head on my chest. Let me hold you. Let me speak truth over you that I love you. You are forgiven. You are the apple of my eye. I am God, and I love you. There's a scene in Fiddler on the Roof. The dad has these daughters and they've been put together in these arranged marriages and there's some protest. And so this prompts him to begin to evaluate his own marriage and what you know what is love and does my wife love me? And so he he goes to his wife and he finds her and she's working in the house for him, doing something, and and, and he goes and finds her and he asks her a question. He says, Do you love me? Do you love me? And her response is, Do I love you? 25 years I've darned your socks cooked your meals washed your clothes and he says do you love me what's he saying he's saying are we in communion do we have a relationship I mean do you, do you just do all this stuff because you're just doing it or is I mean do we love each other and she says I've got competence and he says i'm not asking if you've got competence i'm asking do we have communion i think god looks at us sometimes and says do you love me and we we look back and we say things like for 25 years i've gone to church read your word said my prayers and god says but do you love me Well, God, I have competence. And God says, look, I'm not impressed by your competence. I'm not impressed by how well you do things. I want to know, do you want to get close to me? Do you want to be loved and to love me? That's what God's interested in. The vision of our church, the vision statement, say it with me, bringing people to Jesus. It is predicated on and it is implied in that statement that we want to get people to Christ and Christ will change people. That if we can get them in relationship over time, that person will change. I can't change you. It's not even my job to change you. It's the job of Jesus to change every one of us in this room. And so that's our, that's our statement. We want to bring people to Jesus. If you go on our website and you find our mission statement, which is a little longer, it says this, bringing people to Jesus so that they can get close to God communion, make friends with one another, and influence non-believers. That's what we're trying to do. See, we believe that if you will spend time in communion with Christ, you will live a life that is full. You will live a life that feels supported, that feels blessed. You will do things. You will build the kingdom, and you won't resent the work you do, and you won't compare yourself to anybody else. You will be thankful to have the opportunity to lend your hand to something that matters to God. When it moves past that to something else, you have left communion and you are not brought to Jesus and you're not in a relationship with him, not the way you should be. Because if you feel empty and you feel resentful and you feel like, man, does anybody notice what I'm doing? You're doing it all for the wrong reason. So here's where we end today. You've been a Christian. You've been coming for a long time. You, you, You know the whole deal and you've transitioned. You've moved away. You've gotten away from the whole communion thing and it's competence for you. I'm calling you back. And I'm saying, start to see the things that you do. See, when you do it out of communion, God will do so much more with you than when you try to do it on your own uh, human initiative. If you've never come to Christ, one of the reasons it's quite possible that you've never given your life to Christ is because you think that you've got to look cookie cutter like everybody else, like every other Christian you've ever seen, and you say to yourself, I can't be that, I can't do that. Look, here, I'm telling you the truth this morning. God does not expect that from you. What God says is, come put your head on my chest and let me forgive you. And let me speak the truth over you, which is that I love you. You are the apple of my eye. You are my child. Don't not come to Christ because you think you can't measure up to something. You're never going to measure up. But Christ died on a cross to forgive you and me. And I'm, I'm operating best when I'm operating from a perspective that says, I know I'm a train wreck, and believe me, you guys, I am a train wreck. But I know God loves me, and he loves you. And if you've never responded to that, and you've never given your life to Christ, you need to do that. Because an eternity hinges on that decision, on that decision. And it's nothing you do, it's just saying, God, I accept the grace and forgiveness that you give to me and I want it to wash over my life and we're going to give you the chance to do that this morning if you've never given your life to Christ you can come forward confess Christ be saved I hope you would do that let's pray together father we 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 get seduced we get pulled away to this side of competence And and we get really busy and we work really hard and somewhere along the line, we are not in communion anymore. We're not in relationship. We don't hear your voice the way we should. And it makes us angry and we grow cold. We feel empty. We're resentful. We're tired. Father, I pray that you would just speak to the one that needs to hear this morning that, that they're okay, that you love them, that you came to set us free that they weren't meant to live this life where they're comparing themselves to everybody else, that it's just about you and them. And that as you love them with your unconditional, gracious love, you'll change them. You'll set them free. They'll be the person that you want them to be. They'll be the person they want to be. God, we thank you for Jesus. Man, what a gift. He did what we could never do, and that is to erase our sins, to make them take. The Bible says, "Take them as far as the east is from the west." That was done on the cross, and for that, we give you thanks and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clccchurch.com.